0: Is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
1: and Bob Stelton. Well, we are looking forward to a conversation with uh, Brock Heward, but I'm being told he's not answering his phone right now. Is he on the golf course again? Is he? Is he lounging? Is he in the bathtub? Is he out there catching some sun? He's on a chaise explain? lounge somewhere.
2: You want to explain the bathtub thing?
1: Well, that's his thing. Isn't that where he does all his his, his thinking like he calls it tub time or something like that? He yeah. sits and stews in his own filth in a tepid
2: pool of filth. Ugh. Yeah, so that's his idea place. That's apparently. where that's
1: where the ideas start flowing yeah. in the tub. In the tub. My That's first idea would be to get out. <laughs> 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 but That's a good idea. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll try to track him down. Apparently, he's got better things to do. We 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 eschewed all other Mariners. We said we don't want to talk to any of your superstars. We got Brock.
2: Yeah, I give think us they, Brock. They offered us Julio. Yeah,
1: we turned him down. We were going to do a roundtable with uh, Jerry, John Stanton, and uh, Justin Hollander, and we said, nah. No, no, no. That sounds fun. But, you know, let's talk to Brock.
2: So you said that he, now he's a lefty, right? Throwing. He's a lefty, yeah. Everything, right? Did he throw out the first pitch lefty? I think. Uh,
1: I I assume he he, he throws the football lefty. So I assume
2: he throws the baseball
1: lefty. He's golfing righty. Yeah, the video, unless uh, unless the video is is tinkered with, it's a right handed swing. Hmm which
2: kind of like how they turned your face around on your picture. Yeah, yeah that was really
1: cool. Worked out well. <laughs> looked totally natural. Is <laughs> one of those things you look at and go, something's amiss here. Yeah. What, what what
2: Did looks, you look at it and go, that's not me?
1: I it took a second where I'm yeah. going, why do I look like that? Oh, mm-hmm. this is I was on the other side and they flipped the face around. Yeah, it's no good. Uh but uh yeah, so he's I've seen some other people that are like uh Ricky Henderson would go up there. He was he was one of those guys that would I think he caught and threw the ball right-handed batted le- or no he hit right-handed caught left-handed threw the ball left-handed. Yeah. So it's it's weird when you see people I I assume if you're right-handed you just do everything right-handed and if you're left-handed you do everything left-handed but that's yeah. not the case. So we'll we'll catch up with uh, Brock at some point, I suppose. By the way, if he can cut, if he can make time for us, he's a busy guy. I yeah. mean, you know, listen, there's a lot going into that show. These guys are These guys are busting it down there, Dave. They got a lot on their plate. It's tough. Easy to see how he could lose track of just, you know, some lonely old guys like us.
2: You said Ricky Ricky Henderson Mm -hmm. had a a jacked-up golf swing?
1: No. Or it was? No, he hit right-handed, but he threw
2: left-handed. I met. Did I ever tell you my Ricky Henderson story? So everybody, you know, was like, "Yeah, he would refer to himself in the third person, stuff like that." And <laughs> yeah. so I used to go to A's games all the time when I was in in college, mm. um, and because they were super cheap tickets, you had believe it access or not. to great seats every yeah. game. Yeah, and so uh, I loved Ricky Henderson. So they were in town here in Seattle. It was during the football season where the seasons overlap, and uh, I I was at a bar and. Couple glasses of liquid courage, and I was like, and everybody's like, ah, that's Ricky Henderson. So I, I went up to him and I thought, oh man, there's a chance that this guy is gonna, you know, just blow me off or whatever. And I'm like, hey, you know, my name's Dave Wine, play linebacker for the Seahawks, and I used to watch you, and blah, blah, blah. Nicest dude ever. Like he turned, had a Full conversation. He was like, "Yeah, I really appreciate that." And I was like, "You know, we're doing the, you know, never meet your heroes." Yeah, yeah. I was talking about the linebacker from Denver that, uh, yeah, the Hall of Famer (laughs) that, like. Did everything he could to just try to ignore me and everything. And yeah, with Ricky Henderson, I was like, I was very surprised. It was one of those where like, kind of what I heard about him was that uh, maybe it'll be a little, a little sketchy. And uh, and he was just as nice as could be. We had that's cool. Bought him a drink. It was like a ten minute conversation. He was. Did he ever go third person? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> he only does that for the media, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love he was, Ricky Henderson. Boy, hell of a player. Hell of a player. But, yeah, he's one of those guys. I mean, not the the obvious guy, I guess, that I just skipped over is Ichiro. Ichiro hit left through right. Mm,
2: that's right. So,
1: yeah, I don't – Brock, he he looked to have a right-handed golf swing of some sort, and uh, maybe that's what he's out there working on right now. Perhaps he's getting – he's being tutored by Mike Salk right now on a driving range.
2: Yeah. Brock is very responsible, so I know that there's something – that that came up is it i've reached out to uh, literally his people mora yeah. and justin
1: no one can track him down right now yeah. so they're answering but he's not yes
2: <laughs> well let's get Mora on the phone
0: yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> sure yeah, why not all right he's well, had some good insight
1: well in the meantime let's uh let's move ahead and we'll once he uh once we locate brock we'll bring him on the air but we we touched on this yesterday the future of russell wilson and we we played this cut from is this the same one from yesterday yeah, same. Oh, I Sean you give me the thumbs up. Oh the, no, yeah, the sorry. The long Sean
0: Payton cut from yesterday.
1: Yeah, where he's if you he had any doubts as to whether Russell was going to be there or elsewhere, I think he he pretty much makes it as clear as you can without actually saying, "Yeah, he's not our quarterback." I expect that we're going to know fairly quickly. I said it's the Super Bowl, but I think more specifically, I think you know somewhere in the neighborhood next week we're we're going
0: to There's a couple factors here. You know, obviously the cap projections came out. We're further down the road with the draft class obviously the pro free agents i would anticipate it being uh, you know within the next two weeks the question was finding the
1: right solution to quarterback in uh, in in this league which is obviously very competitive in our division i think it's vital i saw this like humorous meme the other day where there's a bronco fan with a shirt on and there was like eight quarterbacks names with a cross through it you know and and he's drinking the quarterback kool-aid and i you know, our, our job is to make sure that this next one, you know, doesn't have a line through it. He's not coming back. <laughs> I mean, this next one, they're already talking about, well, who's after him because he's one of the guys with his name crossed out on the jersey.
2: I think the only person that could have described that worse would be me. Yeah. <laughs> you were trying to follow <laughs> I'm <along. following laughs> him. I'm following him. Oh, okay. Um, Sean Payton's not the guy that I thought he was three or four years ago. You know, when he was coaching Drew Brees. Um I know that uh, our guy stink. Mark Schlereth has, you know, been buddies with him for a while. And, you know, I I just didn't know that he he was that kind of coach. But we're starting to find out. And so based on his reactions and the things that he says – it doesn't sound like he has any tolerance for Russell Wilson for whatever reason. So, mm-hmm. um, and, but, you know, but did that cut leave any gray area
1: in your mind? He's already talking about the next one. Well, I didn't mm-hmm. quite understand it, Bob. But uh, no, um,
2: yeah, <laughs> it sounded very, very ominous. Like right? it's it's over. Yeah, it's over. Russell Wilson
1: is not going to be their quarterback.
2: No, and I, I'm again. We talked about this yesterday. I think uh, I think that it's going to be a very fascinating little fascinating little side note to just. You pay attention to Russ's career. Where does he end up? Um, What is, you know, is he going to ever look like he did when he was here? I mean, I think he is slowing down a little bit, but yeah, he's thirty-five.
1: Yeah, now, so yeah, but
2: and I don't, I don't think you can expect those, you know, those kinds of plays that he used to make. Like when you remember the toe tap catch to Tyler Lockett, mm -hmm. the most famous one. And I don't know if that was a Sunday night game. I thought it was, but anyway, it was a ridiculous catch by Tyler Lockett, but you might say it was a better throw because Russ, first of all, he avoided like three people, went to his right, spun all the way to his left, on the run, and throws the ball where only one person could catch it. He made so many of those throws. So, and I I think that's still there. I don't think that, um, you know, the... You think the arm talent's still there? Yeah, I don't think the mobility's there, though, but I, I still think... You know, an arm talent, like he can throw it f- as far as, as as anybody. You know, he's a great deep ball ball thrower, but, I mean, the accuracy downfield was mm-hmm. always something I think that we we kind of looked over and just took for granted. So uh, I'll be curious to see. because, And I always say, look, I, yeah, you get slower. Yeah, you get beat up. Everybody's trying to kill you. They do protect the quarterbacks really well. But for quarterbacks, for the most part, they get better. And it's because of the knowledge and, you know, things and experiences that have happened to them and – you know, I feel like he's had more than his share over the last couple of years of those things to learn from. So I'd yeah. be very curious to see the kind of quarterback that he's going to become.
1: Uh, you know what I'm curious about, and, and, and I want the listeners to weigh in on this, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Are you still rooting against Russ? Because I, I get it the first year because there was a draft pick on the line. You know, the worse the team did, the better the draft pick for the Seahawks. So it made perfect sense. I always said I was rooting for him to play well and the team to go 0-16 at the time before the 17-game season. Uh, but now there's no consequence attached to it in, in the way that benefits the Seahawks the way there was before. Now it's just, all right, it's it's Russ. Are you still rooting against him? Because, uh, yeah, he didn't leave under the best circumstances. It was It wasn't awesome the way things went down. Having said that, You've said it. I, I think deep. I think he's a guy that got out over his skis. That got a little big headed, and maybe he had the wrong people around him telling him he should have more control than he should, and and he should have more say in the offense. And he started buying into that. That seemed to me what was going on. Like he was he was hearing what he wanted to hear from the people around him, and it, it, it and it worked out poorly. But in the end, I think he's he's a good dude. I think he's a good guy. He's never been in trouble. He's never getting in trouble. He doesn't say he's just not throwing people under the bus. He's. The greatest quarterback in the history of this organization. Said that repeatedly. It's not close. With all due respect to Dave Craig and Jim Zorn and Matt Hasselbeck, it's not close. He's the greatest quarterback in the history of this organization. Won a Super Bowl with him, went back to another one. I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm not rooting against him. I, I'm hoping he he's able to find it wherever he lands. It's not gonna be Denver. But if he plays for the Raiders or the Steelers or whatever team he lands with, I hope he plays really, really well. I'm rooting for him to do well.
2: I think a lot of people have have calmed down just because of what he delivered. I mean, you know, this is. I think if you're a Broncos fan, you're more pissed that by far. You mad at him or Peyton than any Seahawk fans. No, I. To me, I I think it's Russ. I mean, when you look at, you gave up uh, two firsts and two seconds, and then you gave up a first and a second to get uh, Sean Payton there. Yeah, I mean, and and that contract was ridiculous, which I thought, you know, Denver. That just that was just a bad move by them. It was just a awful uh, contract, and so yeah, and I, I think that a lot of, but you know, there are some people that aren't ever going to forgive him just because of the way it went down. He didn't handle it well. No. Russ didn't at
1: all, and I, I think. But Sherm didn't handle it well when he left, and uh, certainly Earl didn't handle it well when he left. uh, Well,
2: those guys, it's kind of a difference, I think, when it's like, hey, I want you replaced versus, um, hey, I'm going to take shots at you out the door, and that's kind of what- Flip you off on the field. (laughs) Yeah. Sherm and the the middle finger, and (laughs) which, again, one of my favorite stories is that- Tracy Schneider texted her husband John and said, I'm pretty sure that was for you, honey. <laughs> well, but you. The middle you, finger.
1: And you brought up the dinner that they all just had for Pete. Yeah. And Russell flew in from from Denver. Yeah. And that
2: went a long way, I think.
1: I, I would think that would go a long way with some fans out there because that, that's a guy bridging that, you know, whatever divide existed between him and Pete and maybe him and Sherm or some of the other players, whatever was going on. They had that, as Sherm calls it, their kumbaya moment. And all hung out and relived the glory days and took pictures together, and it seemed to be pretty cool.
2: Well, and time heals all wounds, right? So, I mean, at some point, we always talk about—you know, I, I've compared it a lot to—I'll uh, never forget when Brett Favre went back to Green Bay after mm-hmm. he went to the Jets and then Minnesota, and everybody hated him and all that. So. And yeah. Well, he, yeah, and he, kind of like Russ,
1: went to the enemy, or, or it's like Sherm did. Sherm went from the Seahawks yeah. to the 49ers. You had— You had Brett Favre going to the Jets for a hot minute, and then to the Vikings. Mm -hmm. You know, which is their as a Packers fan is blasphemy. How dare you? But yeah, it's just it's interesting. I don't I don't have I don't I don't have uh, any ill will against him at all. Again, didn't handle it well. Did not handle it well. Leaving, not justifying any of that. But in the end, it's he's he's the best quarterback this this organization's ever had.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a tough it's tough for some people because it's like, yeah, that's what he did. But he made that decision, and it was pretty harsh. But then, you know, I think by the time it's, what, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and it's time to put him in the ring of honor and things like that, I think most fans are, I think, you know, the most common response I think I'm seeing from from the text, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, is, yeah, I used to, I, I was really pissed at him in, in the beginning, but now it's kind of, you know sort of faded away a little bit and you know he's going to go back and and when you look back you're still going to you're still going to see that he's the best quarterback in in history here in Seattle.
1: Yeah, and he you're right, he will be in the ring of honor one day. Yeah. He will make a return to this field. He Bobby Wagner, maybe Sherm, I would assume. Uh, I don't know I don't know what the criteria is to get in the ring of honor here, but I would assume a lot of those guys, you know, whether it's Marshawn, I don't know, does does Cam make it? Cam Chancellor, KJ Wright, Mm-hmm. It feels like that whole <laughs> that whole team should should be uh, looking at Tyler Lockett, uh, Doug Baldwin. I don't I don't know I don't know what the standards are for. I that. Remember
2: when Kenny Easley went in? He was you know, and there was some uh, there was a huge rift between him and the team. And then finally, um, those when he got traded, I think was the big part of it. Uh, they traded him to Arizona for, for Kelly Stoffer, I want to say. I think anyway, he wasn't happy for a long time. And when he finally went into the Ring of Fame. A Ring of Honor. Sorry, uh, I was sitting at the luncheon, and he went. He was talking about how he's over the whole problem with the Seahawks, and he's you know settled that. And then he kept talking about it more. And then he he brought it up again. And the guy next to me goes, "I don't think he's over it. Kenny's he, not over it, <laughs> but I think he is now." But I mean, shoot, that was what fifteen years well, ago. When did he have he a in. lawsuit or something? Yeah, going in and it was about about uh, the trainers. Like his kidneys.
1: And, and, like he was taking some. I don't know what was it, ibuprofen or something that hurt his.
2: Yeah, I I was on that program for about three or four days. The, three or four days, it was. Yeah, it was like four Advil every four hours or something, and I got to a point when I didn't feel weird or anything, but I was like, Yeah, this just doesn't seem right." I wasn't a pill popper, so yeah, I was. That was something that was uh, a problem, I think, with uh, the medical staff or whatever. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a big part of it because he had to go through dialysis and, and the whole thing. So. Yeah, that was he. He was he came back finally, and that was a pretty bitter one. I remember that. So I mean, it wasn't out in the media as much as everything is now. But yeah, I think that that'll be at some point. It'll be something where people are like, eh, let's just put it aside. And then there'll be these younger fans that go, wow, look at this. I mean, look at what he did. Look at the highlights. Look at the plays that he made. Look at his numbers. Um, yeah, and and for being picked in the third round, I think a lot of people are really going to appreciate him. Who who makes that
1: call? Is it Jody? Was it Paul before? Do you, know, you have any idea about the process for well, the Ring of Honor?
2: I'm pretty sure they have like a uh, a board of, you know, like Jacob Green, I believe, is on it. I think Steve Largent's part of it. And then you get the owner and, you know, like that group that went out uh, that had Burt Cold, who is was uh, Jody's right-hand man.
1: One that was hugging uh, McDonald? Yeah. Wouldn't let go?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: or no, it was his wife. And then John said, OK, that's enough.
2: Bart was just fine he was just excited he was just very excited man um so yeah and he he had been on uh some of those uh trips to to hire so I think it's to answer the question I think it's uh kind of a collection of different you know people that have been very prominent in Seahawk history from I think John Nordstrom was on the board there for a while too when because he used to own the team of course have they approached you about it about being on the board or being into in the ring of, the ring of honor, of honor. <laughs> either there is actually one in the men's room that uh, is kind there, of the there's a ring in the men's yeah, room, yeah, the, the ring of honor, and Oof. it's it's a lesser <laughs> dignity, but uh, yeah, it's still, it's still not still as high something. profile,
1: but it's still an yeah. honor nonetheless. You know, it's funny whenever
2: <laughs> when we went to we went to London and they were showing like a Seahawk highlight of over the years. My wife was in there twice. I was in there zero, zero times. She's in there as the cheerleader. I'm like, yeah. That's great. Thanks a lot.
1: She goes down as one of the greatest cheerleaders of all time. I believe and, so. And you're just a guy who was there for a yeah. sec.
2: Yeah, get the guy dating her. And Brock, by the way, will giggle at that. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. He's dating. Well, he's we assume he'd giggle. We don't know.
1: He's not here. We don't know.
2: Yeah, this is very unlike Brock. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah, somebody, somebody sent in a text earlier saying uh, uh, something about, I hope he's okay. I mean, no offense to Salk, but Brock carries that show. <laughs> <laughs> so they're wor- they're worried about if he's going to be there uh, and then somebody the 253 said brock said this morning he was going to try and be a good guest this afternoon so much for that
2: <laughs> So, well do they think we're picking on him do you think is he did he take it personal
1: i don't think he takes anything personally i don't either no that's listen he's he gives it more than anybody but he he's he's a good sport He's he can take it. He laughs ask, if you give him a hard about, time.
2: Ask him about his gullibility when he when he comes on. He's gullible. I love that. <laughs> he, uh, he's just a he'll oh, fall for anything. Yeah, I I read that somewhere. Yeah. Like on a bathroom wall.
1: <laughs> is he is he coming up with conspiracy theories or what where,
2: where is he gullible? Just... Yeah, no, both. I mean, he's he's got the whole package. <laughs> uh, that is too funny. <laughs> hey two oh six, when you make a joke and nobody responds to it, you don't say it again. Uh-oh. They're yeah, saying is it a pink ring, Wyman? I saw that text like maybe 10 minutes ago and I didn't respond to it and then he said it again. So just saying it again or like louder or maybe put it in all caps that doesn't make it better. <laughs> they're just I think what
1: they're what they're hoping is they didn't see my first one. Yeah. So they'll see this one. Right. Cuz that's not unique to that person, whoever that is. That is not unique cuz what we do, <laughs> we do mean texts. There are some people and they know who they are. That will submit the same joke or mean text week after week after week. Because we can go back and look at all your previous texts. When you send in a text, just know we can go back and look. We got you. Yeah. So if you're somebody who said, I said the whole time, this is what would happen. We can go back and go, well, actually, no, you didn't say that. But whatever. But there's some people that... I've been telling
2: you guys for years that Pete Carroll's
1: no good. Yeah. 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 And then you'll see... Fifty texts before that. Pete Carroll's the king; he's the best. Uh, but there's some people that will send in the same mean text verbatim. It's like they're just copy and paste each Friday, and yeah. it's it's never been read on the air yet. It's been submitted no less than ten times.
2: Yeah. So you know, two five three is saying Tylenol is what wrecked uh, Kenny Easley's kidneys. I don't think so, man. I'm pretty sure it was it was I, Advil, I, and, I, ibuprofen, yeah, it, or some form of that. I guess it's Pretty much the same, but um, and you know, look, that's just that's just not how you prescribe that, mm. you know, the way that they were doing it. So just
1: handfuls of it, not a good idea.
2: Yeah, eating uh, it like candy.
1: I like this. Uh, De- I don't know how to say this guy's name. Den- Denstein, Denstein, and Gig Harbor. Are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I haven't scrolled through your text to see if you've submitted the same exact one every Friday. But if you're asking that question, it might be you. Are you talking about me? <laughs> the most paranoid texter ever. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I'd like to thank Brock Hewitt for his appearance today. He was really good. It was about as insightful as I've ever heard him. He was entertaining. Mm-hmm. He was good. So uh, I don't know. Hopefully he's okay. We'll see if we can uh, locate him somewhere. I don't I don't know if we've got Justin and More out looking for him have we have we heard from Salk? does he know where
0: he is or is Salk back Uh, on the golf course from any of that crew well i heard from justin they do not know where brock is
2: okay well i'm starting to worry about him now all right well we'll find out we'll
1: we'll update you on his uh, whereabouts as soon as we find out meanwhile one new mariners coach might be the difference in the offense finding that level of consistency it's been lacking we'll get into that next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710
3: Wyman and Bob, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports App.
1: Mariners have an offensive coordinator, Dave, not a term you hear in baseball a lot. In fact, I don't know how many offensive coordinators there are in Major League Baseball. It's new to this city new to new to this team this organization I've never heard anybody referred to as an offensive coordinator
2: yeah you know America. I was I was listening to the um, what do we call it I'm sorry I thought it was the the Hot Stove League but it's not Cactus League report Cactus League report sorry apologies to uh, Gary Hill and Shannon Dreher, but they do a great job and they were talking a lot about Brant Brown and I didn't see—we have, obviously, here some uh, some clips we can hear from, but they, they kind of raved about him, about how it was, you know, something that's very necessary, and they were talking about his perspective and what he can bring and everything. And we talked about this at the beginning of the show, you know, as far as getting together, what's our plan of hitting early at T-Mobile Park and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I'm curious what is going to be—exactly is going to be his purview, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to— Work with with hitters or anything like that, but it's more. more sounds like more strategy, and you know how are we going to handle this? And this is what should be your approach at the at the plate at, at this time. And so, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Just figuring out what he's about.
1: Well, he was he was on with. Uh... I guess Brock did show up for this interview, uh, and and they they had a conversation with Brock and Salk, and uh, Brant Brown talking about the uh,
0: differences in what the offense could look like. Wishful thinking would be that the league will recognize our offense as an elite offense as well as our pitching, Mm. Um, and the way we can Mm. do that is just kind of bring attention to things that are important uh, to win the baseball game and understanding that each game is going to call for a different way to win that baseball game. And we're going to have to do things within our offense, within the individuality of our players, um, that they're going to have to understand they're going to need to take different kinds of shots in different situations if we're going to win. Because we don't know which run that we score is going to win it, and you got to score more points than your opponents Mm -hmm. to win it. And I do think that we have the skill set on this team. See, we got a problem here. Called them points. They're runs, Dave.
2: Does that bother you? Like you, guys, the you guys, guarding, guarding and school.
1: coverage? <laughs> guarding and coverage, points, runs, you know, clubhouse, locker room. Baseball people are very particular. I've been very good about the clubhouse, mm-hmm. locker room thing. It's funny how many people will chime in if you go. Yeah, I was in the in the locker room talking to these guys. Yeah. It's a clubhouse. What do yeah. you know about baseball? <laughs> I found that out early on. I'm not saying I don't make that mistake every once in a while. I but yeah. players, say, I hear baseball players say, "Yeah, we were in the locker room talking." They call it a locker room, so I don't. Yeah. That's more of a joke. But it is weird to hear somebody refer to
2: yeah that's points. Point.
1: Yeah, around, but I'm gonna assume he still knows what he's doing.
2: Are you going to take this this on like I do with uh, guarding and and covering? Well,
1: if it continues, yes, I will. No,
2: but I mean, have we really heard anybody talk about that? I mean, you know, obviously... Services in charge of everything. He knows everything that's going on. He thinks about these things, but just mm. to have somebody to you know put the the emphasis on it, like okay, what kind of day is it? What's the ballpark? You know, what's the temperature? I mean, <laughs> Brett Stecker, our guy, talks a lot about that. It, it it makes a difference.
1: He's he's big on the temperature. Yeah,
2: and look, it doesn't explain everything, but it, it's part of it, and it's something that should be factored in. And to have a guy that just kind of coordinates, you know, all that stuff. Like if I was a head coach. I would I would hire somebody to do my timeouts and my, you know, clock management and stuff like that. Because you don't want to have to think about those kinds of things. And it sounds like that maybe he'll take that off of uh, you know, off of services plate.
1: Well, he explains here what his day to day role is gonna include.
0: It's kind of more of a hybrid role. Um something that uh, Donnie Ecker in Texas uh, mm. has the label of. So it's kind of a blend of, you know, Being on the bench and helping the manager and protecting his blind spots, but at the same time uh, implementing stuff that I've done in the past, obviously offensively to help coordinate with JD and Tommy um, more specifically on the game planning side to uh, increase our offensive value for this season.
1: So it's, yeah, I'd still love more detail. Like all right, take me through a game. Tell me tell me what you're doing. Tell yeah. me are you are you talking to the guy who's in the hole uh, before he gets up on deck and looking at the hitter and looking at how the ball's carrying and you're talking about or you know, what how detailed are you? What what, what get into the minutia, I guess. But um it just sounds like he's just an extra set of eyes. Right. The way he makes it sound like, well, I'll be on the bench, I'll be talking to JD, I'll be talking to these guys. Okay, so is it is it just another voice another idea different idea coming from a different place kind of thing or as he said protecting scott's blind spots uh, I'm, i don't know i'm i'm fascinated by this and and just seeing you know what what it is that he's responsible for
2: yeah well, it makes sense to me because um you know if you're Scott service, you're you're concentrating on your players like you know he's he's very good being an ex catcher, especially I think, but he's very good at figuring out when a pitcher's done. like he can see it right away. He's always like the first one. And he knows exactly what that that point is and you know, and he's he's managing his players. Right, you know, uh, he's not moving to his right very well. Maybe that, you know, I mean, all of those things. So for somebody to come in and have the strategy part of it, I guess it's sort of like what I was talking about, like Pete Carroll having somebody manage his timeouts in his clock. It's just something that um, that you know he's an expert at. I'm curious how many. It's it's amazing in, in professional sports, all sports really, but especially professional sports, the number of coaches. That have it's just exploded, yeah. Like you know, football staffs are like 20, 25.
1: How many it, were on there when you were playing?
2: Uh, probably eight, eight or nine coaches, wow. yeah. And then you got a couple trainers, and then you have the doctor that shows up on the weekend, yeah, you know. And so it was, yeah, it was just like there's so just an explosion of jobs, you know, for and then you, you see some of the other little businesses that are popping up like driveline like we talked about but yeah it's it's interesting that uh and i know that i read an article that the rangers have have someone well um, yeah
1: he just he just made reference to that and said it was a a hybrid of what
2: that guy and he said hybrid hybrid Uh, hybrid. well here mitch garver
1: talks about (laughs) mitch garver coming over from texas gives a little more insight as to how having an offensive coordinator helped in texas
3: just the, the title of a hitting coach, right? Because hitting is one aspect of how you score runs. And, and there's so many ways that you can score runs. Base running, hitting, situational hitting, you know, not striking out, walking. Like, how you game plan against these guys is super important these days because the way I just described our pitchers is the same way that other pitchers are developing their stuff too, right? Like, the pitching has gone gotten exponentially better over the last few years than it has in a long time. So uh, being able to game plan and, and score runs and score runs in the middle innings is super important.
1: Hmm. Okay.
3: Well, it, it, again, it just sounds like
1: it's kind of an all-inclusive extra set of eyes and ideas on the offense, like not anything one thing in particular, which makes sense. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be just focusing on. Oh, I, I don't. I don't address base running. I only look at what's happening at the plate. You know, that's well. So does the hitting coach. So does so. There. It sounds like he's kind of. Dipping his toe in a lot of different areas,
2: yeah, well, and it'll be probably there I guess this is the first year, right yeah um it'll probably you know have to settle in and maybe he'll be have different roles and things like that, so you know I remember um it just pops into my mind, uh, lofotupu when he was working for the Seahawks, and he was and he talked to us a little bit about that, but his his job up in the booth on game day was to identify personnel groupings, you know, who's on the field and this and that. And so sounds like, you know, there's lots of different guys chiming in of like, you know, for, for service, there's lots of these things that he's an expert in that he, that service doesn't want to talk about. I mean, obviously right. he's, he doesn't, you know, want it to occupy his, uh, his everyday managing. So yeah, sounds, sounds interesting. And I, I feel like with that first topic that, that you brought up about. You know, hitting it at this park and making that change. Hopefully, you know he embraces that full on, and we'll see maybe a little bit of a difference this this year.
1: Uh, one more. This from Cal Raleigh, just talking about the new additions and the boost that Brent Brown can provide.
3: A lot of new players, a lot of new faces, a lot of new p- people to get acclimated. But you know, we knew we had to make a change, and um, you know, credit to you know the front office and uh, our coaching staff as well as recognizing that and going out and doing those things and not only on the player side obviously we got some great players made some new additions some people with new skill sets new things that they can do well kind of help us out but you know adding a brand brown to our staff to help us and you know maybe that's something that we needed and i believe i truly do so far with him and i feel like everybody in that clubhouse believes in brand brown and as far as you know the things that he's bringing to the table the things he's talking about it's it's firing us up and it's kind of it's an ex- an exciting new yeah. kind of uh, thing that's come up and people are, you know, it's like a fresh new start. And you're like, well, oh, I kind of like this. I like these new, new things that we're talking about. How cool.
1: Yeah, listen, if the players are buying in and saying, hey, I like what I'm hearing from this guy, whatever it is they're hearing, if they like it and it's inspiring them and they're fired up, as he said, then I'm on board.
2: Well, and if you ask me, um, you know who's the one player that you want to buy into this, and <laughs> that would be Cal. Yeah, you want your leaders. Yeah, you want JP. You want Cal. You want all those. Got Mitch Hanniger
1: now that he's back. Those are the guys. Julio. If they're buying in, that's going to trickle down to the rest of the guys. All right, coming up. What if the NFL trade deadline was later in the season? We'll break down how it would have affected the Seahawks last year. It's What If Wednesday. It's coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.
0: What? 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 It's time for What If Wednesday. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We've been state champions, no doubt. Wyman and Bob rewrite the
3: scripts of major moves and moments in sports every Wednesday afternoon. Now step into an alternative reality with Wyman and Bob. It is
1: What If Wednesday presented by Mazda of Everett reminder coming up at four o'clock our guy John Morosi will join us talk some baseball with him so make sure you stay tuned for that conversation but uh the the uh league is looking at pushing back the uh, trade deadline Dave to week uh, up to until after week 10 based on a couple of things now they extended the season by one game uh so that changes the dynamic of it where it's landing right now <clears throat> and it's also an anticipation that it may go to an 18 game season. So they're, they, they've got a couple of different reasons that they're looking at pushing this back. But just playing the hypothetical, as we do with What If Wednesday, what if the NFL trade, di- trade deadline had been later in the season? Would the Seahawks still have traded for Leonard Williams, do you think? Do you think uh, uh, another deal would have been made or they wouldn't have made a deal? What do, you, what do you think the difference would have been, if anything?
2: I think when they traded for him, they felt like they were a piece away Mm-hmm. That, like that was somebody that cuz they were playing fairly good defense at the at the midpoint. They were you know when you I remember after the giant game was that the fourth game. Fourth game, fifth game maybe. Um let's look at this schedule. They were playing. They were playing good good defense there. So maybe they thought so I would say as far as the player goes, fourth think, game. Huh? It was
1: the fourth game, fourth you're game. right. Yeah. 24 so, to 3 they beat them.
2: Yeah, and I think, and remember, they got 11 sacks. They were, they were given up at that point the least uh, yards per carry on on defense against the run, and then that obviously went... <laughs> that went bye-bye. That went to the wayside. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a chance that they don't because they figure out, okay, it's not just we're a piece away. It's that we have a problem. We have a problem with our run gaps, and and that had been in the case for the last two years. So, you know, maybe maybe John would, you know, would think, "Okay, let's let's wait and get this thing fixed and then we'll start trading." But but I'm going to say no, actually. And the reason why is because uh, Leonard Williams is a guy that they've been looking at for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's and he's a very he's a pretty rare individual. I'm not going to say, you know, he's Chris Jones because he's not. He doesn't have the numbers, but he is that kind of player. Like it's you get a guy like um like an interior guy like Aaron Donald, and I think Matt Abike is kind of falls into that category where there there's some you know good quickness, but they're a little bit smaller guy and they can create some disruption in there. What you have in a guy like Chris Jones, and I think Leonard will you know Leonard uh, is I think the the same type of player that he is able to take on blocks and just entirely clog up the middle of a defense. So yeah. I think I think Leonard Williams is is a guy that the, he's going to be there no matter whether they extend that that deadline or not. And that's why I think they're they're going to sign him. I do think he's going to be one of the one of the guys that's unless there's some very strange reason why he doesn't fit in Mike McDonald's defense, I'm pretty sure that guy is here for the long haul and I think he wants to be here. But, seemed uh, to like, like
1: it when he was asked about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so and I, I think that's that's a guy you can build around. So I don't I don't think so, but there is, you know, there is kind of that thought a little bit in in the back of my mind where it's like, yeah, if they'd gotten to that point later in the defense at, 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 or in the season, when you look at the defense and go it's broken. We need more than one guy. Yeah, yeah, it's not just one player. It's like we need we need a whole new thing.
1: I, I do like the idea of them pushing it back, though. It makes sense. And and uh, Cleveland Browns GM Andrew Barry uh, is is speaking on this. They 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 were uh, meeting about this. League owners need to approve a proposal uh, to to do this. But they explained that they had four reasons why they wanted to push the trade deadline back. First of all, the quote is, uh, we think as a league, it makes sense to give teams the most flexibility as long as possible to have the best product down the stretch run into the playoffs, okay? Um, Number two, we wanted to make sure that we could maintain the competitive integrity of the season so you don't get into player dumping, at least until later in the year. So if you're a... The, the Carolina Panthers and you got two wins and you're, you're, all right, let's start unloading salaries. Yeah. This this happens later. Uh, number three, they said they wanted to retroactively correct the fact that the trade deadline never moved when the season expanded to 17 games. Mm-hmm. And then the second part of that is uh, number four, if at some point in the future the regular season expands to 18 games. Which means that it will. We wanted to be proactive in terms of positioning for the trade deadline. So yeah. all of that makes sense to me. I don't really know what the argument against it. What would be what would be the downside to pushing it back?
2: I think you'd have to ask an agent, maybe they've run into things over the years that uh, that would make that a problem, but i don't I don't see what it is. and and also, I totally believe that they're going to expand to eighteen. it's It's always more with the NFL, right? It's always more. yeah. and and really, for them, more is better. You know, it's it's not like uh, they're diluting anything. There is plenty of interest and money and everything to to go along with with that. So, yeah, I think that's that's an appropriate move just from that standpoint because we know that's just an inevitability.
1: Well, and they said during the research that they found the NFL has the earliest of the trade deadlines um, amongst the four major American sports. Uh, the, so it currently comes when forty five percent of the season has been completed. It's mm-hmm. the earliest. The NHL trade deadline comes after 78% of the season is gone. And then the NBA and MLB are around 65% of the season gone when the trade deadline happens. So yeah. this is happening currently before even half the season is gone. Hmm. So, yeah, it just uh, – I don't know. Well, As I read it, I'm, I'm reading this going, yeah, this makes perfect sense. I was just trying to imagine, all right, who's – if you're on the other side of this, what's your argument against?
2: Yeah, I don't see the argument against – and then when you compare it to other other um, sports where – they have way less injuries right mm-hmm. and so i mean that's that's not a problem for them that it that is absolutely a problem for the nfl i mean you you, you lose guys all the time so yeah I, I feel like that makes sense
1: i'm really curious to see if they end up with leonard williams i i mean i can't imagine that they didn't do some due diligence into you know talking to him about his future when he got here and you know i, I I don't know. I just don't picture John in, in the group going. Let's just bring him in, see how it goes, and then we'll talk to him at the end of the season. I, I just I don't think it could be that casual. I think they'd want, hey man, we're making this move. We're glad to have you here, and this is something we want to something we definitely want to pursue beyond this season. Well, and we you all know, getting a feel from him, like or if he's like, well, let's see. You know, I want a whole bunch of money, or I'm an East Coast guy, or it yeah. would have had that feel right out of the gate.
2: Yeah, and I think John understands exactly how important a second round draft choice is, right? Yeah. So for him to trade that along with a fifth, which you look at the number of players that they picked up in the fifth round, um, yeah, I I think that wasn't done just sort of half heartedly as, as a, you know, one time fix.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's a good—but I think if it does happen, it seems like it will. I think it's a good idea to push that back. All right, coming up, uh, all of the latest news from around the world of Major League Baseball coming your way next. Our guy John Morosi joins us. It is Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.